Howdy, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We got another top five list for you today, and I am one of your co-hosts, Cody Stoffer. And I am your other co-host, Mason Austin. And this is kind of a, you know, a two-year thing in the making, honestly, because as you recall, if you've been rocking with us, last year we did top five defensive linemen, and there is, you know, it was hard to do that list because we were looking at interior and exterior defensive linemen. So that presented some challenges with us, and we knew that we left a lot of guys off the list that otherwise we would want to have on the list. And so this year, obviously, we did a little bit different. We did interior D linemen or D tackles, however you want to phrase it. We did that episode, and that featured Mason and Simon. Be sure to go listen to that one as well, because there are some great talent over there, some Division One talent, honestly, over there. But on this episode, we're going to be talking about more Division One talent. Isn't that right, Mason? We're talking about edge rushers today. Yeah, no, it's just definitely going to be a good one. We got some dogs on this uh, defensive line. Sure thing. And uh, Mason, you want to go ahead and introduce our number five edge rusher in the senior class of 2022? Yeah, I definitely can. Um you know, our number five edge rusher is coming out of Fossil Ridge High School. It's Nathan Hallmark. Um, I, I I just want to go ahead and get right into, you know, the things that make him our number five. Is that OK, Cody? Yeah, go for it, man. And if you want to kind of talk about some of the parameters that we look at in general when looking at all these edge rushers, uh, go ahead. Yeah, no. So we start, you know, when I when we, you know, developed our, our list of what we kind of look at, we look at their speed rush their power, you know, rushing and their run stopping. But then we look at their versatility and play recognition, their pass coverage, their strength, their footwork, their hands, you know, and then obviously as being a lineman, you know, type of position or a big man type of position, you have to look at size and frame. And, you know, going into, you know, Nathan Hallmark here, his speed rush is amazing. You know, he's definitely a great, you know, getting around the edge, makes a good move. And I think that comes from his hand fighting. His hand fighting is something that I love to watch because, you know, as an ex-defensive lineman myself, watching him, you know, be able to move, maneuver his hands and kind of hit everybody out of the way, great to see, you know. Power rushing, you know, is okay for him, but his run stopping and his play recognition, I thought was, you know, a very high point for him on my uh, you know, account because, you know, he's always getting into the backfield and, you know, he was our sack leader for the 5A level this, you know, last season. So, you know, by him getting into that backfield and stuff, it was definitely cool to see him be able to recognize the play, get off this power rush and speed rush, not just trying to make the big play sacks and still getting down and, you know, breaking down and making a tackle between the tackles. Um, his size and his frame, you know, he has a good size, good frame over there. And, you know, I feel like that was kind of something that kind of benefited him being able to throw around his body weight and everything. Uh, Cody, is there anything you want to add before talking about areas of improvement for this guy? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a lot to like here about Nathan Hallmark. And, you know, obviously I agree with the hands. You know, it was my second highest rated category for him at an 8.4. You know, he just does a great job of, you know, using kind of his reach for sure to make sure that, you know, offensive linemen can't really get their hands on him. And even if they do, you know, he's very good at just shucking them to the left or the right. I also want to kind of talk about, you know, uh, enunciate his speed rush was the second highest out of anybody on this list. 
in my opinion. I think that he just does such a great job, you know, of beating the tackle and using a low angle for sure. You know, I think that, you know, his stance isn't necessarily the fastest more on that in a second, but you know, his ability to stay low and get around that tackle or just straight up use his feet to kind of make a cut almost uh, and kind of break offensive tackles ankles is pretty impressive, honestly. Not to mention, you know, his run stopping is so strong and his versatility because Mason, I know you saw this watching the film and it kind of jumped out to me. We are obviously talking about edge rushers here, but versatility goes a long way, whether, you know, you line up standing up or in a different kind of stance or, you know, obviously exterior or interior. He also can work at a defensive tackle spot and his speed rush is way more than enough to overwhelm a lot of guards on you know this 5a level and so kind of talking about that i want to talk about some of his notable games here kind of taking uh simon's bread and butter uh so to speak but you know in the game against eagle crest you know that is a centennial league school he did record 11 tackles including seven for loss and four sacks in that game so that's obviously a monster game for him. I mean, gosh, 11 tackles at a defensive end position. And nine of those were solo tackles too. So he wasn't just like stat padding with assisted tackles. He was putting in work. Not to mention, you know, in the opening game of the season, his team did struggle against a solid Ralston Valley squad that would end up in the Elite Eight. But in that game, he recorded four tackles for loss, including two sacks. And one of those sacks, oh my God, he hits the quarterback so freaking hard the ball pops out like 10 yards from where the contact was made it was one of the harder hits out of any of the defensive film i've watched this year period it was a monster hit and i know that that ralston valley quarterback had second thoughts about getting up after getting plastered to the field on that play you know he, he had multiple games where he basically had a sack in every single game except for the playoff game which you know i'll let mason talk about in the next segment or the next part of this bit in areas of improvement but you know in against horizon which is an up-and-coming squad up in that northern part of colorado they have that young quarterback and that explosive offense he gave that quarterback some nightmares and helped his team secure a 40 to 32 win when he recorded four sacks and a hurry not to mention he recorded seven total tackles and five tackles for loss in that game so two games of four plus sacks against solid competition i mean eagle crest they have two tackles there that are three-star guys you know committed to michigan state and um i forget where the other one's committed to but you know they have two three-star tackles and four sacks in that game that's impressive, not to mention tacking on a hurry. Horizon, you know, he was playing against a very explosive offense. This was a close game for this Fossil Ridge team. And a big, and it went a long way towards their playoff hopes for sure. But uh, Mason, I'm going to go ahead and talk about some of his areas of improvement here before tossing it back to you. And, you know, looking through his film, I'd say that his stance is one of his bigger weaknesses, in my opinion. I think that he's very restricted having only, well, only seeing him play in a four-point stance that seemed to be his most effective stance. Not to mention, he's kind of slow getting out of his stance. I think that, you know, he, ah, I don't know, he just seems like half a second late, which half a second in football goes a long way in a lot of different categories. 
And I think that it also takes away his ability to really power rush. I think that he's a stronger dude than his film lets on. But because he doesn't explode out of his stance, he doesn't get that jolt that, you know, a lot of great power rushers on this list even are able to do with just pure acceleration and burst and knock back a tackler, knock back a guard. You know, he's able to push around, you know, and he still has a little bit of a power rush to him. But, you know, I think his technique and stance definitely holds him back. And further talking about that, you know, versatility, he can play on the interior of the line, but not really having a stand-up edge rushing kind of, you know, more modern day edge rusher kind of technique, I think limits him in the pass game. You know, he that was his lowest category for me because he never drops back in coverage and he doesn't bat a lot of balls even though, you know, he is a six foot four guy, I kind of want him to be able to bat more passes. There are some guys on this list who also don't drop back in coverage, but they get their hands up or they keep a better eye on the quarterback and get their hands up and bat some passes down. So those would be my two biggest, you know, recommendations for things for him to work on. But other than that, you know, Nathan Hallmark, obviously, like Mason said, the sack leader in 5A. Mason, you got to see this guy live in the only game where he didn't record a sack. Do you want to kind of talk us through some of the things that went wrong when he matched up against our number five tackle in Travis Gray, as well as some other areas of improvement for Nathan T. Hallmark here? Yeah, no, I'm really going to echo a couple things, you know. I think, you know, his biggest problem with, you know, uh, our number five tackle out there, you know, I feel like his biggest problem was his strength. I feel like he got overpowered at times in that game, um, you know, and yeah, pass coverage is something I'd echo that I saw him not try for, but it looked like he was really trying to fight and, you know, hand fighting is something he is super good at, but you kind of have to have the power to do that. And power rushing is a huge thing, but you know, Travis Gray over there is a dog and he has some strength to him. And one of his biggest things was, you know, the reason why he was number five and not higher on this list is he was less polished but he is strong and I feel like he just got a little overpowered there. And, you know, looking at that, I feel like if he could have just got his strength a little bit up and been able to kind of, you know, maneuver that frame of his a little better, he probably would have got a sack. You know, he got in the face of the quarterback a couple times. But that's usually when they switched him to the opposite side where he was not facing, you know, gray over there. Um, Cody, uh, do you want to go ahead and talk about uh, his, you know, outlook or would you like me to? Uh, I have his Twitter pulled up right here, so I can just kind of read through his offers and then kind of get your reaction to them as we go. So, you know, he has his most recent one on December 14th, according to his Twitter, is University of Sioux Falls. For those who may not be familiar, that is where our number one safety of the class of 21, Jackson Muma, ended up going. It's a very successful, I want to say D2 program. I believe, but you know, they, they have 27 consecutive winning seasons. So a very strong D2 or NAIA program. He had a visit from Northern Colorado at his school from the linebackers coach. He has an offer to Chadron state. You know, they do a great job of scouting Colorado talent. And I believe, yeah, he's also received an offer from another powerhouse here on the D2 level in CSU Pueblo. So, you know, obviously lots of good offers. He's visited CSU football during a game. But other than that, I don't see 
too much else. Mason, what are your reactions to these offers? Do you think that, well, obviously, you know, these are great programs that he's getting offered to. So, you know, no disrespect to these programs, obviously. But is he a D2 guy or do you think he could aim higher? I feel like with his intangibles and everything he has, his size and frame, you know, everything. I feel like he has the size of a D2 guy, but I do not, or not a D2, D1, sorry. But I do not think he's a D1 guy as of right now. Um, if he wanted to bet on himself, go with Juco and get a kind of, you know, some extra little help on his intangibles, get his strength up, that type of stuff. He could definitely do it and go, you know, D1 later on through that, you know, beautiful transfer portal that's over there right now. But um, I think personally, you know, CSU Pueblo looks like a really good fit for him. You know, they have a good program over there. They'll get him right. And I feel like D2 is probably if he was going at his highest potential right now, D2 would be the best spot for him. So, you know, CSU Pueblo, uh, I believe Sioux Falls is a D2. Um, but either way, you know, I feel like both of those would be great fits for him. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that any of these programs are going to be great for him, honestly. And, you know, I think that on the D2 level, he's a guy who could start a lot sooner. If he does go D1, I definitely think he's worth a redshirt year. But honestly, you know, I'm looking at my alma mater here, UNC, and I'm looking at that visit. And I'm looking at CSU, who had him out to a game, and he's already right there in Fort Collins in the northern part of Colorado. And I think that he would be a great nab for any program. You know, I think that He's a guy who gives you some versatility, like I talked about, on the line itself. And honestly, you know, strength, it's not necessarily the biggest concern to me because, you know, if he does go there, I know the facilities at CSU are state-of-the-art. UNC is building new facilities, new weightlifting area. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how far they are on it. But either way, you know, you get, those you get him in with those strength and conditioning coaches and he likes the strength and conditioning coaches. I say he goes wherever he likes the strength and conditioning coach the most because, you know, in our talks about recruiting with past players and whatnot and coaches, a lot of coaches are like, hey, you spend the most time with the strength and conditioning coach. So whichever one he likes the most might be the best fit for this guy to get his strength up and to perform at the highest level on that next level of football. I mean, you're looking at a defensive MVP at Fossil Ridge. You're looking at a 2021 all-conference guy. You're looking at an all-state guy. You're looking at an all-conference defensive player of the year here this past year. He had a monster year with, I believe it was like 19 sacks or something like that. So anytime you have someone like that who can get to the quarterback on a regular level and somebody who has succeeded against D1 tackles, mind you, power five tackles at that, I think he would be a massive steal for, you know, these F you know, CS programs or even a CSU who's not a power five school. But, uh, you know, I think that if he was like a preferred walk on at CSU, that he could eventually earn a scholarship, you know, maybe a sophomore or junior year. No, I definitely agree with that 110%. I feel like, uh, you know, even out of D2, you know, he could get D1 looks. And I feel like, you know, personally, I feel like he fits really well with that CSU Pueblo kind of vibe of like how they play and how they like really get down and you know they like defense over there and this guy is one heck of a defender so i would you know i'd love to see him over there but you know i wouldn't mind him at you know sioux falls chattern state you know wherever he feels is the best spot for him 
Uh, I feel like he's going to, you know, thrive. I bet you, you know, not a day one starter, but maybe, you know, one year off to get that strength up. And then the next year he's going to thrive. So at the minimum, I feel like he'll start or at least see some field playing time as a true freshman, like halfway through the year. Hey, I think that's a great take. And honestly, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. And uh, unless you have anything else to add on to Nathan T. Hallmark out of Fossil Ridge High School, I think that we're ready to wrap it up. Oh, I guess uh, what was your final grade on him? I had him rated at a low C minus, so like a two star kind of guy. I had him also rated as like a two star kind of guy out of like a low C minus. Yeah, you and I saw eye to eye on this when we were talking off the air. But, you know, I think it's worth mentioning to the listeners. He was ahead of our number six guy by 0.6 points for me and a little bit more for Mason. But after talking it through, we'll talk about our honorable mentions before we talk about our number one. But this was a very good batch of edge rushers. And so coming up next, we'll talk about our number four edge rusher in the state of Colorado, class of 22. And welcome back. Uh, You're listening to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I'm going to go ahead and talk about our number four pass rusher of this 2022 class. And that is Columbine High School's very own Logan Correa. You know, this guy is huge. He doesn't have his weight listed, but he's 6'2", but it definitely shows, you know, on him, like what he's done all year long. Uh, I think this guy, you know, one of my favorite things about him going into, you know, just his top you know, versatility, I think, is a huge thing for this guy. He uh, can definitely, you know, play where anyone needs him, if that makes sense. But, you know, for me, I think in the run game is where he shows his versatility the most. You know, he's not afraid to, you know, get down and dirty and play with those big guys like some of the other guys on our list, you know, that just didn't quite make it. Um, his strength is up there, which, you know, just comes into play with his, you know, versatility and being able to stop the run. And, you know, his frame, like I said, you know, he doesn't have a weight listed, you know, on max preps and stuff like that. But, you know, he is 6'2", and it shows that he's got a very good, you know, build and size to him. I think, you know, he's got some intangible things that people look through and look at and are like, wow, you know, I don't know if everyone's got these, and he's definitely got them. Uh, Cody, do you want to add anything into that? Absolutely. And uh, I have him pulled up on Twitter. He's listed at 215. So, you know, he's he's a stout guy on that defensive line. And, you know, he just does a lot of things right. He is, I would say without a doubt, or at least in my gradings, the best run stopper out of any defensive end in Colorado. And even on this list, he was rated at an 8.7 for me on his run stopping. He does such a good job of getting in the backfield. And I think that this is best exemplified by his games against Valor. You know, they got two chances at Valor this year. And, you know, Gavin Sawchuk, he broke off some long runs in those games. But other than that, he was meeting a lot of stone walls. And those stone walls obviously include the likes of, uh, you know, the interior lineman from Columbine. But also Logan Correa here, he's just a monster on on the run game and does such a great job of just getting a push. You know, I think he's very strong 
It, that was his second highest category for me as I rated him at an 8.2 in strength. He just does such a good job of just pushing around, you know, tackles, guards. It, anybody who tries to throw a tight end or a running back him is just dumb. Like, I know that's not the best term to use when describing game plans against this guy, but tight ends and running backs do not stand a chance against him. He tosses them like a bale of hay, honestly. And yeah, he's just very powerful. I would say it's his best thing that he's got going for him. Not to mention that he also has some pretty solid hand fighting. You know, if, you know, he does get a push and maybe a lineman do doesn't allow themselves to get pushed back like a whole yard, he does a great job of using just his hands to throw linemen to the side. Like whole, whole tackles and guards, he can just use his wrists and forearms to just push them wherever he needs them to go. And I think part of that is, you know, his technique is very good. Uh, I almost had him at an eight in technique because, you know, straight out of his stance, he shoots his hands up. You know, he'd have some of the fastest hands in the West if he were a cowboy, you know. And uh, I think part of that is he just does a great job of getting leverage. He stays really low out of his stance and his stance is a great job of kind of pushing him out or shooting him out of a gun rather than having him stand straight up. So, you know. Those are some things that I really like about Logan Cray. I think he was integral to Columbine's success this year. You know, obviously they made it to the final or the elite eight, I should say, you know, in this, you know, past 21 season. And as a, you know, kind of hand in the dirt guy, he still got himself seven sacks, five tackles for loss this past year. And I think he was just a menace on that line some of his notable games that i'll bring up you know like i said against valor the first time he did have four tackles and then against valor the second time he recorded a sack had a couple of hurries and had 10 tackles he played probably his best game of the year in the last game of the year and was obviously fighting very hard to try and pull out an upset over the number one seed valor christian eagles continuing on you know in that opening game against Denver East, they have a massive tackle there. I mean, he's almost like, it looks like he's almost seven feet, but he was really quick against that guy and recorded two sacks, two tackles for loss, and, you know, just showed his ability to get shot out of a cannon very well. You know, his speed rush isn't the strongest thing, but also, you know, I still rate it at a 7.2. He's quick off the line, as I mentioned in his, you know, stance, basically, is what gives him the biggest edge in that. And, you know, over the course of the year, he was able to compile up a couple of sacks and, uh, you know, even recovered a fumble this past year against Highlands Ranch. So, you know, he keeps his head on a swivel and I think it's just overall a fantastic player. Mason, do you want to talk about some things about why he's maybe number four and not higher on this list? Yeah, no, most definitely I will. Uh, for me, I feel like his footwork just you know didn't quite make the cut it wasn't awful it wasn't like anything that could really you know not be i don't know how to say this like not be a problem but it was a problem enough that for him that i feel like if he had a little bit better footwork and was able to you know take that first step i saw him fall step a couple times coming off the line um on a couple of his you know pl plays that he made you know i watched more than just you know his highlight reel so you know, I've seen him make a couple mistakes there. His pass coverage for me was huge. 
Um, he doesn't get in the face, you know, and get any swats. He doesn't, you know, drop back in pass coverage or anything. You know, I gave him a pretty low grade for pass coverage. That was probably my biggest worry for him. My other worry for him was his speed rushing. I felt like his speed rushing, like, I feel like he's a faster guy, but I feel like getting off the ball and getting around the tackle was his something for me that as a hand fighter, like I thought he should be better at because the speed rushing is usually easier for a guy that's a good hand fighter. And this guy is a good hand fighter. And so for me, I thought his speed rushing lacked. Uh, is that fair to say, Cody? Yeah, he doesn't get around the tackle. When I was talking about his speed rush, I just meant kind of like interior. But his exterior speed rush is definitely the weakest out of the top five guys. And it's one of the weaker ones just in general looking at edge rushers. And yeah, I also want to say his pa- I gave him a one in pass coverage because I didn't even see him bat any passes in his film, which literally every other top five guy does. Um, so, you know, you're a bit limited there in that he's more of a true defensive end in like a three, four kind of sense, but he's one who can generate a pass rush. And, you know, I think that that gives a lot to look forward to, but still talking about areas of improvement, just get those hands up. You know, you're six, two, six, three, go ahead and try and get some vertical work in. Honestly, do some more power clean, some more squats. Just keep your eyes on the quarterback when you're pass rushing. You know, he does such a great job against the run, but I would say against the pass, he there's room for improvement. Obviously, seven sacks is still very solid for like a three, four defensive end. But I think that he can improve in his pass rush game just by getting a little bit faster, a little bit stronger. Nothing that one year with, you know, whatever college facilities can't fix, honestly. And so with all that being said, Mason do you or do you want me to talk about kind of his offers right now? No, I have it pulled up right here. I can definitely talk about it. I do want to shout out on his, you know, Twitter. He does say he has a 3.81 GPA. You know, they are student athletes. You are and, right. You know, like, good stuff. Yeah, good. You know, that's good on him. You know, that 3.81 GPA, like, that's not easy to do. So, you know, and play, you know, top-level football like he is. He does have a full offer from Adam State. Black Hills State University, Western Colorado, uh, Chadron State, South Dakota School of Mines, um, you know, a bunch of different things. Uh, it looks like he is a 6-0 guy. He has something over there. Uh, Northern Colorado also, you know, sent out to this guy, uh, you know, but they didn't, they had him in a game. They just really didn't have any offers for him. But, you know, it looks like a lot of, you know, what is this? NAIA and D2. Uh, does that sound about right to you, Cody? Yeah, honestly, that's kind of where I would grade him at as of right now. I think that if he wanted to go D1 and play as a 3-4 defensive end, which is what he does, I think that he'd have to get significantly bigger, kind of like a guy that we'll be talking about later in this episode. I think if he was playing in the trenches that often on the D1 level, he'd probably have to be like, I'd want him at 230 pounds, honestly, if he's a hand in the dirt, you know, three, four defensive end, at least, honestly, 240 plus would be preferable, you know, at least 240 pounds if you wanted to go D1. But I think with his size, I think D2 is just fine. And, you know, I think that he's somebody where if, you know, uh, how, how do I want to say this? He's somebody where, oh, he did have some pass deflections, but he's somebody where 
if you have some injuries, you can plug him in as a true freshman and he can do his job is the best way that I could say that. But, you know, it wouldn't hurt to have a red shirt kind of year and, you know, just kind of uh, get used to that college environment. But I think that he would be massive for any of these Colorado teams. Obviously, you have the potential of losing him to Black Hill State. I know that that's very popular with Colorado recruits. Uh, but, you know, I think that Western here, Western and Adams, they both should gun for him. Adams State, they've kind of slipped into irrelevancy, at least among D2 programs here in Colorado. So I think landing a guy like Logan Cray could kind of be the start of turning around your program, honestly. No, I 100% agree on that. Um, personally, I think uh, he probably takes a redshirt year. Um, yeah, he could be a plug-and-play guy. Um, I see if he could, you know, kind of gain a little bit of weight, you know, play, playing at 215 as a true 3-4 defensive end is not something you want. You want a big guy when you're playing that type of way. You know, he does it very effectively for what he is, you know, size-wise. But I feel like if he takes a year, gains some weight, you know, like becomes acclimated with the situation of being in college and does everything like that. I feel like year two, he probably gets a lot of snaps, if not starts. And then year three, he's starting year four. He's starting, you know, he's definitely going to make it, you know, big time at that D two level. And he's going to make an impact on this team. Yeah, I agree. I think that he could definitely be a three year starter, at least two year starter, honestly. So uh, that's, it sounds like we're pretty agreed on getting just a little bit bigger. You know, obviously his size this year worked here on the Colorado level and he did a great job of using his strength and hand fighting, but you know, playing a three, four edge kind of guy rather than a stand up edge, your frames are going to look a little bit different. So we would definitely want him to just gain some weight, but continue getting those grades, man. Like Mason said, you know, student athlete, and grades matter when you're being recruited, believe it or not. I actually had an opportunity to talk to an athlete recently who, you know, he was sitting around a 2-3, and he's a D1 talent, but he missed out on those offers because he was sitting at a 2-3 GPA. A lot of these guys that we're going to be talking about today have at least a 3, at least a 3, if not higher than a 3-5, three, 3-8 three, kind of guys. So, you know, kudos to those guys and... uh yeah, you know, Logan Cray, our number four edge defensive end guy in the class of 22. Coming up next, number three. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. This episode, we are talking top five senior DNs slash edge rushers here in the box state. And here at number three is, you know, a player from my alma mater at Arapo High School. And that is the three star senior, six foot four, 230 pound edge rusher, Jackson Adams out of Arapaho. He is an Air Force Academy commit. And there's some reasons why he's going D1, starting off with. His trademark speed rush, I have it rated at an 8.7, almost a 9 for him. It was the best speed rush, I think, in the entire state of Colorado when he was playing. 
he is so nasty with his speed rush. He's able to get a great kind of angle going around tackles. Tackles have a hard time keeping up with him when he shoots off the line. He's able to also use that speed to create some other moves. You know, he kind of has a little bit of a bag here. He has, you know, a semi-decent spin move that he's able to use because he attacks that outside shoulder so hard when he's rushing the edge that, you know, tackles they're already behind and they overcommit and then bang, just put his foot in the ground and kind of get a spin on those tackles. He's also able to kind of cut at the same time to that inside shoulder after attacking that outside shoulder. And speaking on that, you know, his footwork is, you obviously have to have great footwork in order to accomplish kind of a bag of pass rush moves. And Jackson Adams has exactly that. He does a great job of not really crossing his feet, you know, and does a great job of, you know, moving laterally very well, but also moving diagonally and switching directions phenomenally, you know, his, Footwork is top of the line. It was also the highest graded out of any of these linemen here or edge rushers, I should say. So, you know, those two things are great. His versatility and play recognition is also really good. He does a great job of destroying, you know, read option kind of plays because he's just so dang fast. He's already in the backfield. And so he doesn't have to read much from two feet away. It's all all right, either hand it off to the running back and I'm going to light him up or keep it yourself and I'm going to destroy you. And uh, quarterbacks make the wise but definitely sacrificial decision to let their running back dry a lot of the time. And so, you know, that leads to a semi-decent uh, run-stopping game that he has. His hands are also very good. You know, tackles, they want to try and get their hands on him first. They just usually can't because he just comes off that edge so fast and so hard that, you know, he's really hard to stop. And, you know, I believe over his high school career, you know, I don't, they don't have it recorded in max preps. Arapo's kind of bad about recording max prep stats, but, you know, he does have an interception in one of his, you know, few years here for this Arapo program. So that obviously makes his pass coverage somewhat okay. And he bats quite a few passes. You know, it only says one on his max preps. But I know after watching his film that he at least has like five or six. He just gets so dang up there. I mean, he's also a basketball kid too. So, you know, his vertical and his ability to jump is very strong as well. And he's just overall a freak of nature athletically that was a nightmare for tackles, you know, this year. Mason... I don't want to take away everything, even though, you know, I talked a while, but I mean, it's got to be exciting talking about, you know, our alma mater here, our former football program and talking about some dogs that they have on this D line, including Jackson Adams, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's definitely amazing to talk. And, you know, looking at, you know, just the program they have over there at Arapahoe, I really like the fact of, you know, Jackson Adams. I agree. His speed rush was probably my top rating for him. You know, that edge rush, especially when, you know, a tackle can't even touch him. I saw him, you know, play against Creek, him and, you know, uh, what's his name, Jared Ramos over there. Um, you know, both of them, you know, dominated in this game. But, God, you know, they have they have a good offensive line. You saw what they did against uh, Balor in the state game with me, Cody. It's not like they have, a, like, a, you know, a, a rough offensive line over there. They just dogged on this team. And I can tell you that Jackson Adams has more than one pass deflection because he had two in the game against Creek. I have them both written down and I marked them to make sure to bring it up that, you know, this guy is a dog. 
Like, and he had two against Mountain Vista, now that I'm yeah. thinking about it, because he had at least one on back-to-back plays. Yeah, no, he, he, I'm saying he, he's a dog, bro. I know is not very good at putting in stats over there. They have never really have been, but God, this guy's a dog. But going into some, you know, areas of improvement for me, um, I did go ahead and say that his power rushing is the biggest weakness for me. You know, obviously, you know, pass coverage, he probably had my highest pass coverage grade. I gave him like a 4.7 on my pass coverage grade, which, you know, that's like, I guess that's not that great, you know, out of 10, but it's pretty good for this, you know, edge rushers list that we have here. But, you know, power rushing was my lowest grade for him. And I feel like that was huge on making him number three and, you know, keeping him from that number two spot for me, just because I felt like his power rushing was lacking. So he couldn't be put inside as much. He was more of a liability if he got washed inside than keeping the edge, which, you know, with him being so fast and such, such a good edge rusher, you know, he stays outside and keeps that outside contained, which shows his versatility. But I feel that was the biggest flaw for me. Um, I thought his hand fighting was pretty good. I thought his strength also comes with, you know, his power rushing. I feel like if he had a, if he was a little bit stronger, he probably could have been number two, if not number one on my list. Do you agree with that, Cody? Yeah, I'll agree wholeheartedly. You know, his power rushing was the lowest thing I had rated other than pass coverage. But I mean, for an edge rusher, he has, you know, solid pass coverage, considering we count bounded, batted passes. I had him at about a five. But, you know, his power rushing and getting washed inside definitely hurts him a little bit. And I'd also say that, you know, while he does fire off the edge very fast sometimes, you know, his like... I guess his, his get off sometimes, if he's not set yet, which, you know, he kind of takes a second to get lined up in his stance, then that puts him at a disadvantage and he gets washed inside a little bit easier whenever that happens. And I wouldn't say he's like, he's not weak by any means. Don't get it twisted. You know, I think he has like a 245 pound max bench or something crazy like that. Or yeah, 245 uh, max bench, according to his huddle. But also, you know, his his strength isn't his biggest strength, if that makes sense. Not that it's weakness. I still had it rated at 7.1, which is just a little above average. But it's something that I think he could definitely improve on down at Air Force. Mason, are there any other areas of improvement that you want to discuss before talking about his commitment to Air Force and kind of what you think his outlook there is? No, I... uh... I don't think there's any more areas of improvement for this guy, but I think, you know, from what I know, he did have an elbow surgery at the end of this season. Um, so that can almost guarantee a redshirt freshman year. Um, you know, obviously Air Force got a dog over there and they're going to be able to, you know, help this kid pack on a little bit of weight, which I don't think he really needs all that much weight, but they're going to pack on some weight. They're going to help him, you know, get into position to, you know, get his strength up there and get that power rushing up. And in that year, I feel like he starts, if not sees the field pretty much, you know, his second year and is either a three-year starter or a two-year starter with good, at least 50-50 reps his sophomore year. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, obviously, you know, that uh, that elbow surgery and that elbow injury was 
probably the biggest reason why he landed at number three for me, you know, because I dinked his, uh, you know, his size and frame is good, but I also include injuries into that size and frame category and missing as many games as he did. You know, this Arapo team was very different in the playoffs. And I think a huge part of that, you know, when I talked to the legend receivers, even they said that number eight not being on the field was huge for that legend offense. And, you know, I think that it showed, obviously, in that playoff game. Mason, you could probably attest to that since you witnessed it live. But, you know, Jackson Adams not being there is a huge concern. And I think something that kind of prevented him from getting more offers, if he played a full season, then I think no doubt, you know, maybe his Wisconsin preferred walk-on offer is actually at least a partial scholarship offer or something like that. You know, he did have you know, some interest from a couple of different schools, Wyoming, Wisconsin, Washington State, South Dakota, Dartmouth, and CU, but none of them offered him. Only Air Force and Northern Colorado offered him, which, god dang it, I wish that Northern Colorado was able to secure the bag, but that's okay. Uh, But a lot of these schools probably turn into offers if he was able to clock in a whole season. Durability and being there is a lot more important than talent sometimes just because are you reliable to be there and whatnot not saying that you know injuries are always a problem for jackson adams but it's definitely something that schools are obviously concerned about and so you know getting to still play division one football with air force who's been a surging program they're a consistent program over the past few years you know i think that's a big deal for jackson adams and why he's going to be able to succeed there You know, Air Force, they kind of got some dogs between our number five running back, you know, out of TCA. And, you know, also one of uh, the better offensive tackles out of Arapaho in the past 10 years, Blake Carette, also committed to Air Force. uh, I believe that was in 2018 or 2019. So, you know, there's a kind of a little bit of Arapaho to Air Force pipeline. And I think that you're right. You know, obviously I would want to play it safe and try and keep him healthy for the future and redshirt him this year and then maybe limit his snaps his sophomore year depending on how he's looking in the weight room and whatnot but he will definitely start for this air force team and you know i agree that his frame is not the biggest concern i mean god he's almost von miller's size you know he's only like 19 pounds smaller than von miller and i'd say that he plays not exactly like von But their roles on each team is pretty similar, I'd say, of that edge guy who's just really quick and, you know, occasionally can pull off a move or two to get past tackles. And, yeah, I'd have to agree with you, Mason. Yeah, no, I definitely, you know, I like this guy a lot and I like what he, you know, offers to the table and brings to the table for this Air Force squad. But I agree, probably had a couple more offers after this. Um... you know i think you know we're basically in agreement like where we're at here and uh i guess when we come back we'll go ahead and talk about our number two pass rusher edge rusher in the state of colorado class of 2022 what's good y'all welcome back to the playmakers corner podcast I am one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer, joined here by my co-host, Mason Austin, talking top five senior DNs slash Ed Rushers here in the beautiful box state of Colorado. And here at number two is one of the most overlooked prospects. 
that I may have ever seen here. And your 2021 sack leader, Marcus Howard, the six foot five, 210 pound edge rusher out of Aurora Central High School. And so I'm just gonna jump right into it. Look, Aurora Central High School, they had a resurgence of a year. And I think, you know, obviously it's because they have some great athletes on the offensive side of the ball, but you cannot talk about this Aurora Central team without discussing Marcus Howard, man. Look, look, I, I can't even get my, my stuff together because 23 sacks speaks for itself, bro. I mean, he just went on a tear this year, getting two sacks against Hinkley, two against Wheat Ridge, three against Adams City, three against Lincoln, and he didn't even play that whole game, might I remind you, two against Grand Junction, four in a huge rivalry game against Vista Peak Prep that, you know, helped put them in contention to win the league title, and I mean, God, he was a monster in that Vista Peak game, three against Gateway, one against Denver South, who has one of the better offenses in the entire state of Colorado, led by Joseph Capra at QB, two against Centaurus in a close win, and one in the playoff game against Ponderosa. Ponderosa being a team that pretty routinely has consistent linemen, and that brings you to a grand total of 23 sacks on the year and leading the state. And also, I want to mention that while he does pass rush very well, he also gets his dang hands on the ball and punches it out, you know, pretty consistently. He had four forced fumbles this year, including one that he did recover himself. And so talking about all those things, let's start putting numbers to his game on why he's such a good pass rusher here in the state of Colorado. And it starts with his speed rush. It's rated at an 8.1. And it also is mirrored by his hands and technique slash stance that are also at a 8 and an 8.1 respectively. Look, He's 6'5", and he plays at like a 5'11 pad level. His ability to maintain leverage and get really low despite his height is incredible, not from just like, you know, a bending down and playing low perspective, but a disciplined perspective. He's a very disciplined player. He does a great job of playing low, using leverage. And I mean, God, when you pack 6'5", 210 pounds into like a 5'10 stance, you're lower than everyone and you're more powerful than everyone because as he stands up with his hands, he just moves offensive linemen. And so, you know, that's another reason why his power rushing is at a 7.9 is just because his technique and stance and his ability to explode into tackles and knock them on their butt is just it's unmatched, honestly, because of his frame. On, and, you know, he has one of the highest rated frames on this list at 8.4. He's just massive and powerful you know his strength is also at a 7.6 for me i think that you know obviously his leverage plays a huge part in that but he's just a nightmare for offensive linemen to go against and he's a nightmare for quarterbacks he can rush from either side he can play standing up he can put his hand in the dirt if you want him to but honestly i think he's at his absolute best when he's rushing off of the edge and you know Getting to watch him live at that Denver South game was really revolutionary because, you know, he was kind of on our radar and whatnot. But, you know, we we were like, OK, what does he look like live? And just seeing his technique being as advanced as it is. And, you know, this was like his first year really, really getting into the nasty part of the defensive line. You know, last year he was kind of part time there. He only had 23 tackles 
five for loss, you know, he had like two and a half sacks as a junior because he was mainly a wide receiver. But I think that they made a great move here at Aurora Central. That coaching staff, I have a lot of respect for them and making do with what they got. And guys like Marcus Howard benefited from great coaching, honestly, because switching him over to D-end changed this program and allowing the offensive running backs to do what they do. And Marcus Howard being able to get great penetration and great rushing against, you know, a plethora of competition was integral to the success of their season. 78 total tackles, 26 for loss. And once again, your Colorado sack leader with 23 sacks is just unmatched, held that margin by a few because he's just able to pass rush in so many ways. He's very fast off the edge. He's very strong. He can move linemen. There's one time where they tried to double team him with you know, a tackle and a running back. And he does a great job of getting skinny and speeding right in between them like a bullet and blasting this quarterback. I mean, uh, it's like watching the hit kind of hurt me a little bit because, you know, I have sympathy for quarterbacks and whatnot. But man, he had no mercy for the quarterback splitting that gap. But he also shows that ability to just, you know, knock a tackle backwards and then kind of lose their footing. And then a running back is thrown at him. And he just pushes running backs into quarterbacks as well. So, you know, he is just a very versatile pass rusher for Aurora Central who helped change a culture and change a program with just incredible performances. And I loved watching his story and watching his game. Not to mention, he was voted by Playmakers Corner as your 4A Defensive Playmaker of the Year. So go ahead and listen to that episode. I want to say it's episode, shoot, maybe 100? No, it wasn't 100. It was 99. Episode 99 is your 4A Colorado High School Football End of the Year Awards. Go ahead and listen to that for more Marcus Howard content. Mason, I couldn't talk enough about, you know, how much I love this guy and his game. Obviously, you know, I have a lot of love because, you know, he is representing A-Town and putting Aurora Central on the map. Mason, what are some other ways that you saw him kind of help put Aurora Central on this map? And why was his season so revolutionary? Yeah, no, I think I think putting, you know, Aurora Central on this map just shows, you know, they have some dogs over there, not to mention, you know, you know, shout out to their guy, you know, like Kyrie's Kirby, all of their guys over there, man. Like that running back over there is probably on a on his way to another, you know, thousand yard season next year. That being said, we're talking Marcus Howard right now. And I want to say this is probably one of, you know, we, you know, we got to meet him. He is truly 6'6". This man is taller than I am. I'm 6'3". And for him to get that low unmatched like i've never i could i didn't even play that low and i'm three inches shorter than him you know so being able to see this guy you know get that low dominate the edge and then still step in and make a play in the run game yeah we watched them lose to denver south off of a couple you know you know bad plays that they made you know is what it is going into it watching him play he played at uh, another level than what i saw at almost i'm saying almost because i've seen multiple of these guys play at almost any other game I saw all year. And that's just, you know, that being said, I'm going to talk about the very few critiques I want to make for this guy's, you know, all in all, uh, you know, game, I guess. Um, I'd say his versatility. I feel like I want to see him 
play a little bit more inside but you know using him outside i don't blame aurora central you know when you have an absolute animal like that i feel like his versatility could have been a little bit better and that kind of shows with his run stopping because i don't feel like he made as many plays as he possibly could in the run game that being said he still did make plays in the run obviously just like everyone else on this list their pass coverage isn't the greatest you know but you know that's not something i really say is his fault you know being 6'6 he definitely gets some swaths you know he doesn't have to really get up there even though he does um but yeah that's really all the minor critiques i really have for this guy i think you know honestly in a perfect world where you know he runs stops a little better and everything he's my number one he was real close for me uh but man, you know, it's it's cool to see, you know, someone coming from Aurora Central where, you know, most people look at that program and like you said, you know, they redid their whole program this year. But, you know, someone coming from a program like that, a lot of people would think of them as kind of just, oh, it's just another, you know, just some random kid, you know. But this dude put him on the map, you know, 22 sacks this year. That, that's a dog over there. Uh, Cody, you want to go ahead and talk about where this guy's going to college? Of course I do, because this was a great pickup and committing from my and Coach V's alma mater, University of Northern Colorado. Go Bears, man. I'm so excited to see Marcus Howard here, and he's excited too. You know, this hashtag, get up Greeley, they've stepped up their recruiting game. And, you know, Coach McCaffrey did a great job of you know, picking up where I think other schools in the state left off, you know, CSU and CU, I think that there are schools who are guilty of overlooking, you know, this kind of like, you know, kids out of Aurora, you know, there's plenty of talent here. And I think that they get overlooked maybe because of some of the things that happen in the city. But Marcus Howard is going to be phenomenal for this UNC program. He's going to take advantage of those new facilities. I think he's going to put on some solid weight. He is a 376, you know, GPA guy. So he's a very smart kid. He's going to help with the that culture at UNC. UNC, you know, they've had a culture over the past few years of maintaining high GPAs and getting it done in the classroom. I'm assuming Ed McCaffrey wants to keep it rolling and you do things like that with Marcus Howard, who's, you know, another great piece to add to this defense that UNC is kind of brewing over here in Greeley. I will say, you know, that there, I think that there's a decently, there's a decent chance that he sees snaps as a true freshman. However, I would, as I always do, recommend a redshirt year. I know that UNC also utilizes the transfer portal and the JUCO uh, transfer portal quite a bit. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't, you know, get a full-time starting job until his junior year or, you know, his redshirt sophomore year, however you want to put it. But, you know, he overall, he's still a dog. He's going to get on the field. He's going to make a huge impact for this Northern Colorado team. Mason, wouldn't you agree? Oh, I 100% agree. Um, personally, I think he gets snaps as a true freshman. Um, I, you know, looking at what UNC has over there, they don't really have a great edge rusher. Now they do. You know, plain and simple. I'm just going to put it that. Um, unless you have anything else to say, Cody, I think we're going to go ahead and uh, end this little one going in. After this, we'll come back and go ahead and say... Uh, you know, our honorable mentions and then talk about this number one pass rusher in the state.
Alrighty, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I'm Mason Austin, joined here by Cody Stoffer. We're going to go ahead and talk about our number one pass rusher in the state. But before I get there, I do want to go ahead and pass it over to Cody to talk about a couple of our honorable mentions that we will be doing film breakdowns on later on uh, in the on upcoming offseason. Yeah, so, you know, obviously when you're in a group like this, there are going to be some big names who just miss out. This is one of the deeper positions in Colorado. That's why it's one of the last ones that we did. And so just real quick, the guy who just narrowly missed this list and Mason and I had a decent discussion before the show was Herschel Craig III out of Castleview. I can't say enough good things about this kid. He seems like a great guy. He's super athletic. He blocks field goals like a Oh my God, like unlike anyone else in the state, honestly, just with a huge reach. I mean, God, his wingspan has to be massive. He has a very good vertical. He's one of our better pass coverage guys, you know, having actually dropped back in coverage multiple times. He actually had the best pass coverage rating in my books out of any of these edges or edge rushers. So, you know, he has that going for him. He's a very versatile player. And he has great hands and whatnot. So I just wanted to put some respect on Herschel Craig III's name. He's a phenomenal football player who, like I said, missed this list by decimals of a point. And I think that he's going to be a steal for whatever college gets him. I am excited to kind of see if he does play an edge kind of role. Because honestly, I think I would personally recruit him as a tight end. I think that the flashes that he shows at tight end are Division One-esque. And, you know, I think that he has a lot of untapped potential because Castleview just isn't like a air it out kind of team. And they kind of struggled through the air at times this year. But I mean, I got to see him catch and run a pass live in, you know, against Pomona during a playoff game. And it was one of the most electric plays that Castleview had all night. Dare I say he was the best player for Castleview on that field that night. And it was probably Castleview's best player, period. And so he's going to make whatever program gets him very happy. Huge shout out to Herschel Craig can't say enough good things about this guy then you know on another note on the 5a level still you have uh nuni tuatel i believe is how you say that he's an end at regis jesuit he's a dog you know he did get dinged some points for missing kind of the end of the season for me but overall i think that he's another guy who can succeed on that d2 or d1 level great size and just a really fun guy. Also, the best profile picture out of any of these guys referencing uh, Dragon Ball Z Fusion Ha. I had to shout that out and show the inner nerd in me. But anyways, uh, on the 2A level, you had a guy in Ryan Dirksen out of that championship Eaton squad that had so many elite players. His frame is definitely small, and I might recruit him as a running back personally. But as an edge rusher, he was very impactful. And he came up with some great defensive plays and stops you know, on Eaton's road to winning their second consecutive uh, 2A championship. Carl Reeves Dunbar was a huge part of Pine Creek's resurgence this year. And I think that, you know, he's just a, he's like a Logan Correa in a lot of ways, as far as being a very solid 3-4 D end. He gets his hands up a little bit more, but, you know, uh, just missing a couple of things. I think he's just right behind Logan Correa as far as 3-4 D ends. Uh, Caleb Perea or Perea, you know, he was at Mullen for a couple of years. Then he went to Creek and helped them win a championship. He was crucial and a key part of that Creek defense. 
he just misses out mainly due to versatility but he is one of the best play recognition dns if not the best play recognition dn on this list he is a shutdown for read options elijah davis you know he's a very versatile guy out at mesa ridge super athletic did get some sacks very good in pass coverage get some interceptions some tip passes you know just missed out mason harris is another guy who's very good out of eagle crest zach runyon always have to shout out our legend guys so you know obviously zach runyon he's phenomenal and was part of that legend run that was very good this year and showed me some great things honestly especially in his hand fighting he's one of the better hand fighters and he's very strong at that d end edge position and our last honorable mention is out of valor christian high school luke meyer he just also narrowly misses this list and he would have been the next guy up after herschel craig his versatility you know he's one of the guys who can play you know, a D tackle, a D end, an outside linebacker, a stand up edge guy. So he's very good at all those things. And, you know, his pass coverage is one of the better ones in this entire group. And his run stopping is very solid. But, you know, all respect to all those honorable mentions. Shout out to number five, Nathan Hallmark, number four in Logan Correy, Nathan Hallmark, Fossil Ridge, Logan Correy, Columbine High School, Jackson Adams out of Arapahoe High School, and number two, Marcus Howard out of Aurora Central. But Mason, please tell our listeners who is the number one senior edge rusher defensive end in Colorado. Yeah, no, for me and for you even, it was pretty unanimous here. Um, out of Arapahoe High School as well, Jared Ramos, the 6'4", 260-pound, you know, 2022 senior. Man, this guy is just a dog. His speed rush, his run stopping, his play recognition, his power rush, his hand fighting, his strength, you know, his size and frame, you know, 6'4", 260. For him to be 6'4", 260 and be able to speed rush the way he does with the just the bag he has of different pass rush moves, you know, being able to knock the hands out of the way, spin move, you know, dip and rip, go over the top if he has to, you know, he gets it done. This dude, I, I'd like to say, you know, like personally, I would be afraid as a tackle to have to face this guy. And that was shown in the Creek game when he faced, you know, our number three, you know, tackle in uh, Fitzpatrick over there at Creek. And he just dominated. He threw that dude in, you know, their uh, hand. Uh, wait, what's the quarterback's name over at Creek? It's uh, Christian Hammond, one of Christian our 5A Hammond, offensive playmaker of the year candidates, by the way. Yeah, no. So Christian Hammond, man, he threw Fitzpatrick in his lap so much that Christian Hammond couldn't get anything done. He Christian Hammond was running rampant in this game, threw the ball away more than probably he has in his entire career. Between him and Jackson Adams just terrorizing the backfield, Exodus Johnson, and a couple of their other guys up the middle getting there on the run game. But, man, he is a dog. Um, I want to say personally for me, his power rushing is one of my favorite things to watch because he uses his speed rush moves after blowing you off the ball. He'll just be, you know, right there, hands in your chest, ready to put you in the dirt doesn't need to put you in the dirt because he's already by you because he already knocked the wind out of you and you can't get your hands on him. And that's another thing 
from his hand fighting, which we see because he is a 6-0 guy over there. You know, shout out to McChesney on being a great coach at coaching hand fighting. All of his tackles, great hand fighters. All of his defensive linemen, great hand fighters. And, you know, that's something that shows here with me giving him a 9.4, which, you know, I try and grade pretty difficultly on, you know, all my list as much as I possibly can. But it's hard to do that when it's near perfect. You know, I, I don't give a 10 unless it's like, wow, this guy doesn't ever get touched, you know, but 9.4, that's pretty high for me. And I think, you know, watching his power rushing with his hand fighting is one of my favorite things to watch off the edge because he is an edge rusher, you know, and he is our number one edge rusher in the state. And that's because off the edge, he is almost unstoppable. You know, I don't think he's as fast as, you know, uh, Jackson Adams or even a Marcus Howard, but he doesn't need to be because his technique is perfect. Cody, before talking about any, you know, things that you want to like see him improve on, uh, is there anything you want to add? Yeah, you know, I well, I want to echo everything that you said. His hands for me were a 9.2. He has the best frame here. I gave him a 9.5 because honestly, that is pretty dang close, if not, you know, an NFL frame already as a senior in high school. I gave his power rushing an 8.8. I gave his run stopping an 8.2. I gave his speed rush an 8.2. He just has a number of ways to beat you. I gave his strength and 8.6 like he's just so dang strong he can put like you said some of the strongest tackles on their back he pushes tackles and guards when he's double teamed into quarterbacks laps so you know that's incredibly strong of him as well ah god man he's just he's just good i mean damn he's incredibly talented he has a bag when it comes to pass rushing. He has a spin move. He can kind of cut inside. He can cut outside. He can give you a little head shake and get around you. And, you know, I think that his footwork for his size is very impressive to be able to move the way that he does at 265. Even, you know, sometimes he looks a little bit heavier. I believe that he could have reached a 275 or a 280 during certain parts of the season or the offseason. I think that he's going to be able to pick up weight or drop weight as he needs very easily he's uber athletic he's another basketball kid so he's able to get his hands up he has an incredible reach obviously with his height that helps that he can just reach up and paw at the ball but you know it was this defensive line for arapaho when healthy was a championship defensive line with between jackson adams exodus johnson you know that uh other d tackle bow and, you know, obviously the front seven was good, but Jared Ramos, you could just see in warmups that he sets a tone and he's a great kind of at least player to kind of model your game after. He uses a lot of pro techniques. He's also succeeded at all American camps against talent nationally. And he's a stud, absolute stud. And, you know, somebody who will be great for their college football program, but Talking about some things that maybe I don't like as much. I'd say, Mason, you have a different kind of point of view on this because you kind of watched a breakdown on a stance like his. But his stance looks so freaking weird to me. It was the lowest thing I graded him, at least from a rushing standpoint. His stance is really weird. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's good. But I think other times, like if he's trying to do stunts, which, you know, they do 
have him run stunts, which is very versatile of him. But when he runs stunts, his stance definitely stunts his stunts is a good way to put it because it doesn't allow him to move laterally as well, you know? So I think his stance is probably his biggest weakness to his versatility, which I also docked a little bit because, you know, you do have guys on this list that are able to drop back in coverage or kind of play a stand-up rush, which he does from time to time, but it's definitely not his strength. He, he's, his versatility definitely lies more in the fact that he can play an interior D lineman as well, or like a 3-4 D end or a 4-3 D end. But his ability to stand up rush is not as strong. And in turn, you know, his pass coverage and, you know, versatility takes a hit here. Mason, what else do you have to add on to areas of improvement here? Man, okay, yeah, we definitely have a different view on his, you know, his, you know, way he's kind of stands, and it's, I, I don't know, I saw a whole breakdown on it. It's kind of like a Jason Pierre, Pierre Paul esque, if I can speak. Um, you know, he, uh, he, you know, he kind of stands in a little bit different way than most guys on a defensive line would, and you know, Jason Pierre Paul does it, and he does it effectively. Obviously, he's in, in the NFL, so. You know, it is what it is, but I think my biggest, you know, thing for him would probably be if he could, you know, get up and bat a couple more balls. You know, obviously anybody would want that. And I guess, I guess his technique when it comes to getting off the ball when he's stunting, I agree 100%. Because when he stunts, he like kind of lags a second. And I think that's where he kind of gets caught up in the wash a little bit. Obviously, he's good enough that he can still make a play. He can break double teams if he has to, but, you know, you, you can't always break a double team when you have two giant guys, you know, that have leverage already. Um, but going into it, uh, Cody, do you want to go ahead and talk outlook for this guy? Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, hold on, recent... Cody. Um, did he lose his scholarship? I I'll, I'll talk about that, actually. So... For those okay. who don't know, Colorado State did get a new coach that's not Adazio. And so there's been, you know, some scholarships that they're not honoring from the previous staff. And I believe that Jared Ramos is, is one of those. It's hard to keep up because it looks like his Twitter was suspended for some reason. But anyways... I think this could be a good thing for Jared Ramos, and here's why. As far as schools that he has an offer from, it allegedly says that he still does have an offer from Colorado State. I'm not sure exactly how true that is, but, you know, he was a highly touted prospect across the entire U.S. He visited Arizona State. He's visited Greeley. He's visited Kansas State. You know, he's been in their weight rooms. He's been to Folsom Field at CU. He's watched games there and he's done camps at CU, at CSU. He's He's been all over the country, low-key. You know, he's been to Duke even. And, uh, you know, a lot of these schools haven't necessarily offered him. He's a very smart kid. He visited Dartmouth. He visited Harvard even. So, you know, when you see schools like that, Yale even was another school that is you know on his interests list so he's a very very highly touted prospect but as far as offers go he has a few offers here one is to university of san diego that is a d2 school 
but obviously you could do a lot worse than San Diego as far as places to live. He has an offer to CSU Pueblo, which would be a massive steal. He has an offer to my alma mater in Northern Colorado. You know, he has an offer to Penn, Idaho, and Eastern Washington to wrap up his D1 offers here. So I think that he's a D1 talent. I think he's a power five talent. If I got to be completely honest, I think he's somebody who gets overlooked because he plays in Colorado. I'm surprised that CU hasn't offered him. I think that that's a huge mistake on their part and whoever gets him is going to benefit. But looking at the roster outlook, you know, CSU says that they have 42 D linemen on the roster. I don't know if that's an error or a typo, but they have been offering quite a few guys, you know, and trying to figure out their scholarship situation during this coaching change could be very difficult so i think that this is for the best for him and i think that one of these big sky schools is a great fit for him obviously i'm biased advocating for northern colorado where he can play with marcus howard tyson lambert and a couple of other studs that they're getting on that defensive side of the ball but also mason our number one interior defensive lineman committed to one of these schools in eastern washington and how scary would it be if you get a guy like Laulu and Ramos on the same defensive line? I'm telling you right now, if 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 in high school at the high school level, if they had Laulu and Ramos on the same defensive line, I don't think a team would have a chance to pass the ball. Plain and simple. Um, that being said. Yeah, looking at, you know, every D1 offer and stuff he has, obviously he's the smart guy looking at, you know, Yale, Dartmouth, um, Harvard, those type of places. I feel like this guy has the talent and the opportunity to aggressively take forth his future in his own hands. And, you know, obviously he's a D1 talent. I think he could probably do whatever he wants anywhere he goes. And I... You know, I would love to see where he ends up going, and I'm happy to, you know, be here to watch where he ends up deciding to go. Um, out of his offers, I think, you know, it'd be kind of a cool thing to see him over there, you know, one-on-one -on -one with Marcus Howard. That would be a, kind of a scary thing, you know, our number one and two pass rushers or edge rushers in the state. That'd be kind of scary, wouldn't it, Cody? Yeah, no, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be terrifying if you're trying to – like, you better recruit good tackles if you're going to try and defeat Marcus Howard and Jared Ramos. Jared Ramos, he's another guy. I know it's hard for guys in the trenches specifically to kind of stumble into some playing time as true freshmen. But he's somebody who I don't think you have to worry about as a student kind of getting used to it. You and I both went to Arapahoe and, you know, there's definitely classes that prepare you for college pretty well. I would say, you know, I took some AP classes as well, some ACC classes, and I almost guarantee that Jared Ramos is in some of those classes. And therefore, I think that he'd be very ready for college and somebody that, you know, from an academic perspective, you might not have to worry about redshirting. Obviously, redshirting never, 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 never hurts. But he's somebody who I think could get some snaps with his size and, you know, his technique immediately. But I'd say more than likely a two to three year starter on the next level. At bare minimum, he's in rotation by his second year in college, though. Yeah, no, there's no way he's not by his second year, if not getting snaps as a true freshman, man. 
this guy is too good not to unless you know obviously he goes to some like high high level school like you know like a harvard like a princeton or a dartmouth you know like the big name like ivy league schools if they get make him take a year to kind of you know do his thing and get used to that i could see then him taking a year for school but he's very intelligent and he can get it done so you know it's gonna be you know one heck of a road to watch and see where he ends up going and if he does end up going to csu you know good on him and uh, i'll be happy to look in in a couple years and just see what he do, what he does for whatever squad he ends up going to oh absolutely you know we're rooting for all of these guys to you know make an impact like mason said we're gonna do more in-depth breakdowns on those guys maybe on a twitch stream i'm not sure yet what that is gonna look like but you know the honorable mention guys and you know to any of the guys who made this top five list you are invited onto the show to interview with us maybe talk your game some things that you agree with maybe disagree with and you know kind of talk your recruiting process and whatnot is something that we love to talk about Jared, if you want to announce your recruitment on Playmakers Corner, uh, we're more than down for it to host that announcement, honestly. But, um, you know, we still haven't gotten one of those yet, so you could be the first one to announce your commitment. But anyways, no pressure on that. We are rooting for all these guys to succeed on the next level. And Mason, do you have anything else to add on to any of these linemen before I kind of do our outro? Yeah, no, I just wanted to go over the list one more time and say, you know, number five out of Fossil Ridge, Nathan Hallmark. Number uh, four out of Columbine High School, Logan Correa. Jackson Adams, number three out of Arapahoe High School. Uh, Aurora Central High School's own Marcus Howard at number two. And number one out of Arapahoe as well, Jared Ramos. Um, it's been one heck of a season watching all of these guys and, you know, me being, you know, the D-line, O-line guy. I really enjoy being able to watch these guys, you know, maneuver and do everything that they do at such a high level. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, who's next on, you know, who's up. But I'm also really happy to be able to say, you know, in a couple of years, I'm going to look at each of these guys and be like, where are they at? And, you know, all of these guys have the potential to be, you know, the next big thing at whatever school they decide to go to. So, you know, uh, bet on yourself and do it. Absolutely. Everything uh, Mason said, and I, I feel the same way. I'm super excited for all these guys and for Colorado talent in general. And to hear about more Colorado talent, go ahead and follow us on spotify or apple Podcasts, subscribe to us so you get notifications for new episodes that we will post there or on google Podcasts or on anchor make sure you get notified whenever we post a new episodes so you can listen to more colorado football content continuing on you can find out announcements about our episodes on instagram at playmakers corner on twitter at playmaker corner where you know it's pretty active over there right now go ahead and participate or check out the results of our 5A poll. You know, Jared Ramos is a 5A Defensive Playmaker of the Year candidate, as well as Nathan Hallmark, actually. So, you know, two DNs making some noise. Marcus Howard was our 4A Defensive Playmaker. So stay tuned for our 5A Awards episode, where we're going to determine who is our award winners for the 5A levels in Newcomer, Defensive Playmaker, Offensive Playmaker, and Most Valuable Playmaker. And you can find that out on Twitter, like I said. We also are posting TikToks of the candidates at Playmakers Corner on TikTok, 
Facebook as well. We're putting up content and make sure to find us on Twitch where we did our first real live stream reacting to Team Full Gorilla tryouts. And that was with Coach V and myself. So you can find that on Twitch, Playmakers Corner, or look up Playmakers Corner on YouTube to find where we posted it or also listen to the episode anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Let's see, 5A Awards. Oh, coming up soon is the position that everyone is waiting for, I'm sure. We are down to only a couple of positions left where we're going to do the top five senior quarterbacks and top five senior Wildcat quarterbacks as well. So stay tuned for those episodes. And we got some flag football content coming up for you. You know, we've been trying to post there in preseason right now over in Florida doing some tournaments. So stay tuned for that. But until next time, I have been your host, Cody Stoffer. And I'm your other host, Mason Austin. And peace. Peace.